true Baptist church is a Christian church. It's made up of Christians, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. But the Christian church cannot flourish without the Christian home. As the homes go, so does the church. As the homes go, so do our public education goes. And uh, I've made that, and made some people mad, but, uh, you know, we have opportunities to uh, set in on some board meetings, and, you know, and very few people do, but, you know, but uh, we're setting back and letting our schools teach all kind of silliness, you know, that, uh, but, uh, the Christian church cannot flourish without a Christian home, and the Christian home is the backbone of the nation, the salt of civilization. The Christian home is an institution where parents are bound together by Christian love, where children are welcome and scripturally instructed. And the Lord Jesus is not only the Suppose head of the home, but the actual head. I personally, uh, you know, I would would rather have a child cry, a newborn baby cry, and get used to being in the service, and I would taking that child to the, uh, you know, and there's some that, that disagree, and that's that's fine. But, you know, uh, children are children and babies are babies. And, uh, but the, uh, the Christian home is a place where members of the family enjoy rest, privacy, sense of security, learn to work, learn to play, learn to pray, and plan together. A successful church, if we were planning a, you know, and I think a prime example when we were having the meal after the morning service, having a meal and uh, having the evening service and go home. Uh, those meals were planned. You know, you could bring anything you want to, but, you know, we're going to have chicken today and then everybody brought, well, what I'm saying, that, you had an opportunity to see what the main dish was and you could add to it. And so, you know, and if you didn't know what to bring, you would, you know, you would call one of the ladies. And this is organization. The Christian home is in chaos. So there your church is in chaos. Christian home is one which the members learn to regard one another as having equal rights. The, if as, as a pastor, no pastor that is truly of God wants the church to look at him as a dictator because the pastor only got one uh, vote. But as the leader that God places over the church, it is his responsibility to strive for decency and order. But the final decision is 
on the church body. And in the home, the final decision should be in the parents, not the children. But I've been in homes, visiting members of our mission years ago. We was trying to talk to the father, and the, and the father said, would you please turn the TV down? And the eight-year-old son looked at his dad and said, no. And he was allowed to remain standing, you know. It was that father's responsibility to take that child in the back room and to give him a lesson in respect. It is the parents' responsibility to take care of their church and by taking care of the children. So a Christian home, we need a strong Christian home that the parents set the example for the children. Christian home is one which the members learn to regard one another. That even though you may disagree with Member C, Member C has the right, the privilege to disagree with you, but we all in God's house disagree agreeably. And we see a lot of the influence in the churches that lets the pastor and other members know what goes on in the home. But a Christian home is one that radiates Christ, welcomes strangers, dispenses hospitality without measure. I don't care who it is. You may know more about maybe a visitor come in next Sunday that I don't know. I'm going to welcome that member. You may know that person is on drugs. You may know that person whatever, whatever, whatever. My job as pastor is to make that member feel welcome. And your responsibility as a member is to make that visitor feel welcome. Christian home is one that, I said, radiates Christ. Christian home consists of a God-fearing father and God-fearing mother and God-fearing children. God said in Psalms 127 and verse 1, we probably know what that verse uh, is without looking, but, you know, David said, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. You'll never have a God-fearing home, a God-fearing family, a God-fearing church until Jesus Christ is placed on the throne of your life. All decisions are made through him. That thing is not happening today as a way of life in churches or homes. But the secret of a successful Christian home is in the family altar where Christ is crowned as head of the home. Love is the second secret. I see 
families. I've visited families over the last 50 years that when their child makes a mistake, you know, when they're caught smoking pot or they caught drinking, that the family almost ashamed. But, you know, all we got to do is let me look back. What did I do when I was 18, 19, 20, 21? The things that I was hard on my children. You know, you got to teach your your family, your, your children, and of course, uh, that they're important. Their views are important important but you structure that when you know I want you know I want your opinion and you can tell when the relationship is where it should be they will give you their opinion and not get mad if you don't you know some children have ways some adults have ways some aren't but we'll get into some scriptures here you know, our children may go wrong if we don't start them right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've been around any young ones, but uh, Jay does a wonderful job disciplining her two kids. I wouldn't do it that way. But it works. Each family should know their, their children. Some children are different. Some church members, all you got to do is read it in the scripture. Hey, that's what it says. I don't understand it. Right now, I don't even agree with it. But God's word is right. I'm never right and God's word is wrong. Never. You know, I mean, uh, that's just the way it is. I think in the book of Proverbs, you know, in the, in the third chapter of, of the book of Proverbs, with, uh, if, you, if you never read that verse, uh, that chapter, you know, every day is so easy. It'll bless your heart. Don't take you no time at all to read it. But... Uh, here in Proverbs uh, chapter 3 and verse 3, notice what God says. Proverbs, the third chapter and the third verse. You know, God says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. I told all three of my kids, if you do wrong, I'm going to deal with it. But if you be honest with me, I'll deal with it a lot different way. Because, you know, when I look at my kids, you know, man, I've done a lot of things worse than they're doing. So I don't want to think, but I do want when you You'll never change until you admit you was wrong. I was wrong. First of all, I was wrong because God's word said it. Second, I'm wrong because my parents who love and sacrifice for me, they're, they're disappointed. 
My son, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Now, first of all, when we're teaching our children, or when we teach some adults, when it says, you know, forget not my law, it's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. If God says don't do something, that's a spiritual law. And if we break that, there's going to be consequences. But so many people have never been taught that. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3, as we said, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. You know, when my grandchild, my, you know, Caitlin, you know, I asked her opinion about something last night and and I can always depend on Caitlin to give me her opinion. I value her opinion. But she also knows if her opinion doesn't match mine and we've got to make a decision that I want to do the way I feel should be done. I don't know what she feels inside, but not one time has she ever got mad and say. It don't do any good for me to give you my opinion. You never use it. No, that isn't true. If that's if that was true, I'd be wrong. You know, I would be wrong. So that's what God is is talking about when we sit here in Proverbs three three, but also in Proverbs three five, He said, "Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding." See. If God's word says something and my understanding is this, mine doesn't count. God's word is the final. God's word is the final. And you're missing out on blessings. Your interpretation of what you're doing may not be, you know, it's it's not going to send anybody to hell. It's not going to confuse people. But if we know the truth, we've been taught the truth, we're held accountable to practice the truth. You and I both know that these silly politicians that have been in office 35, 40 years, they know what's right and wrong. But their whole ideal is how it's going to benefit me or how it's going to benefit that group back home that, that pours the money in. But God said, going down to here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, now, if you, if you stop and think and you had children, they want to impress upon you their opinion that they're smart enough to make an opinion, and they are. But God said, whether you're a child, a teenager, or an adult, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear the Lord. I know that during Sylvia, if they take on a memory, there was a family 
the name Hans, Hans Trox, I'm not sure what the, but it was the Trox family. They had this dog in the yard, and they keep it in the yard. They had a sign, Beware of Dogs. And we were walking up the road, me and Mom and Dad and some, I don't know who else. We, but I would go over and, you know, try to get the dog to, uh, to let me pet it. And Mom was, get away from that dog. Don't you, you ought to be afraid of that dog. Dad, being dad, he ain't got enough sense to be afraid. So walk on, you know. The dad just had a way of saying those uh, things, and you didn't. I didn't get, get offended, but he's right. Sometimes when you have been taught, you went through a school, and you've been taught how bad drugs is on you, how bad alcohol is on you. You know it. You taught it in, in some form of class, your parents, your grandparents, people you love would tell you. But at that time, you know more than any, anybody else. And that's actually the way it is in, you know. But God wants us to honor the Lord with your possessions. He said in verse 9, uh, Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine entries. That's self-explanatory. You don't have to make any promise on that verse. Everything that I have belongs to God. Everything. And if you use it for the Lord, you know, there's some members that left that they're not like the members that they were years, years ago. But one in particular would use his vehicle to go pick up people every week. You want to ride, you just call that number. You know, and the car, you know, was worn out. It keeps on trucking. When you use what you got for the Lord, because it belongs to him anyway. You, you know, and, and that's wisdom. That's wisdom, you know. God says, honor the Lord. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in, in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, in Ephesians 6, 4, he said, how does that to the, to the church? You can't expect teenagers to do right if they have not been in the church. The parents have not taught them. So whatever they learn at school, it must be right, or if it wasn't, my teacher would correct me. The principal would do, would do something. And my answer to that is saying, well, I'm in the home or in the pulpit. We're, we don't live in Kansas anymore. You know, parents are so busy trying to make ends meet, providing the proper clothing, the proper this, but part of that education should be Fear the Lord. He's the one that woke you up this morning. He's the one that allowed you to go to sleep. You know, and of course, the last one on this part of the subject is 
to not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. You know, and parents are worn out. You know, they're worn out. But the right attitude toward God fosters the right attitude toward your family. I, I believe if, if I'm closer to the Lord, I'm going to make more right decisions than I am wrong decisions. And it's not the fact, well, I don't understand that. You may not even agree with it. But if God's word says it, that's the final authority. You may not be ready for it. You may never be ready for it. But when God's word said, Thou shall not do this, or tells the church to do this, or tells the church not to do that, it's not a matter whether you believe it. If God said it, wise man I learned from Charles Spurgeon, he said, When I was brought up, I'm your father. You do what I say and then prove. Try to find out why. Brother Charles Spurgeon said, try to figure out why I do what I do. And if he's following the Lord, there's going to be some principle in God's word that teaches that father or mother the proper way to discipline children, proper way to treat your husband, proper way to keep your wife. Parents' greatest responsibility is uh, to point their way to the Lord. You know, and uh, the words that testify, you know, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, you know, it is clearly that God uses those principles that were in the Old Testament to to teach us. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. Psalms 32 and verse, I believe, 46. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the ways, all the words of this law. In other words, he's saying, and he said unto them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. You know, it's, it makes no difference if that's not the practice. But, you know, there's something in that law that we can learn from. You know, and, uh, you, know, all, you know, I find I don't like to answer this, but, but when someone listens to a sermon of mine on sermon audio or I talk to them, you know, how can you be a man of God and love God and, and, and believe that, you know, what you believe about the homosexuals? 
And I said, you should have asked me, what does God, what did God think about it? He killed him. He destroyed him. Now, you know, we can't do that. I'm not saying that we should, but God's principle is already laid down. But nine out of ten people, when we have that conversation, and by the way, I don't bring that conversation up, but when that conversation is brought up and, and I show it to them, they say, but that's the Old Testament, which shows that they've never been taught that in the beginning there wasn't no Old and New Testament. There wasn't no chapters. You know, it was all the book. So I thank God that somebody a lot smarter than me divided it, that God used them to divide the chapters, you know. But, you know, you've got to have the mentality, and, and that's what, you know, got to start at a very young age, and that's why I'm, I'm hard on Sunday school for little ones. Sunday school has got to be something rather than coloring pages. You do that at home. You know, get, invent some ways, think and ask God, because it's not going to change because society is changing. Never changes because, you know, nobody does that anymore. That doesn't mean that it's right, you know. So we n- need to understand that. You know, children may uh, close their ears to advice, but their eyes are always open to example. I have it on my study wall. <laughs> and b- believe me, my kids have used that on me. You tell me not to do this or not to say this, and didn't you just say that? And you know, so you're—it's like you've been caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You know, get out of here, dress out and play. You don't want to address it, but we are to address every question that our children, our grandchildren—I mean, you know—you just get Parker on one knee and Caroline on the other knee. I mean, it's just one question after another. And I love it. I love it. Give hope to a child. Share the love of Christ. You know, Parker could not come up to the coffin at first, you know, he just couldn't do it. So Jay came over to me and said, "Will you go talk to Parker?" You know, and you know that's even some adults can't look at a dead body. But you know, we got the responsibility to teach them right about death. Our responsibility is to teach that child what is right, and what is right is what the Bible says. Parents must point the way if children are to find the way to God, and how do we do it? I, I think the three B's, you know, you, 
you've seen that advertisement on, on TV, or at least you, if you don't have cable, you know, just selling that insurance price. What's three things? Price, price, price. Well, these are three. Be constant. Be consistent in prayer. Be consistent in example. Be compassionate in love. Those are the three B's that, you know, that I strive very hard that when my grandkids are around, I, I try to do that all the time, but especially because, you know, if you've got a close relation to grandchildren, you would say, you know, man, can I have the grandchildren first? <laughs> you know, because they're so much more fun. You know, they learn faster. Most of them smarter than you are. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, to have grandchildren under a good circumstance, I mean, it's one of the best things in life. And, yeah, you know, got to give hope to that child. Parents must point the way. And, uh, you know, I want my, uh, you know, I remember the first time I prayed in front of Parker when he was older and, and he asked me, you know, and 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 I know that uh, Paul and Jay does, but, you know, by, back then there was, there was the other guy. And uh, Parker asked me, he said, you know, they're sharp. Did you buy this food? Did Nanny cook this food? Yeah, yeah. Why did you thank the Lord for it? Teaching moment. It's a teaching moment. God provided her with the ability to cook. God provided me with the means to, to uh, purchase. I mean, you can just praise God in everything if you get that mindset. Children let their parents down when they forget who brought them up. Checking for honoring parents. How do you honor parents? You know, you send them a card, you call them, you visit them, you apologize. But I believe the most important thing is that you can do why I preach. It's, it's the most important thing that my children or grandchildren can do when I talk. Let's listen. Because they hear things you think they're not listening. I mean, you know, they can sit there and be playing a game and hear every word you say. So even when they don't seem to be, you know, that's what the church, you know. Look out and you see, you know, some people are tired or sleepy or whatever, but God has the power. You know, Henrietta is not going to get anything out of any message. I don't care who's preaching unless the Spirit of God shows it to her. So as long as we're preaching truth, we can be assured that the Holy Spirit is in this room guiding us. Guiding us. All right. Last, last point. Don't forget your child. Don't forget how important the home is. 
And don't forget how important the church is. The greatest gift a father can give to his children is himself. You know, fathers grow up busy. I know. I've I've had two different jobs for 50-some years. Our children need a home where love provides security. This church needs a pastor, and that's the thing. As as, as my time draws near, you know, I want to. I pray God give this church a pastor that will pray over his sermons and and study his people and and know his people and not judge his people, but to know his people. Our children is a home where love provides security. Where what is taught is not confused by what they hear and see. You know, I see people who go to church faithfully and get on Facebook and drinking beer. Well, if you think beer is, is all right, it's no different than a Coke, you know, think about your children. Think about those people that's going to see it. Don't put it on Facebook. Amen. You know, I, I really haven't figured out what Facebook is any good except I get pictures of my grandchildren. And uh, all right. You know, it, it's just uh, we need realize that the home and the church is a place where we teach the most important things we have and that's our kids and our our kids and I tell you you can you can tell when a grandchild loves their grandparents I had I talked that minute over to the to the funeral place. You know, and Paige said, Oh, you can't pay attention. It's your grandpa. But see, from that statement I knew how much Paige loved you, brother. I know how much Paige loved that Paige loved her. Grandma and Grandpa. It will just come out. I mean, and we let them get by with things we wouldn't let our children get by. And I'm told that every week. You know, I couldn't do that. You know, but you know, you just want to be a blessing. That's what you want to be. It's going to have a minute of silence if you need to come forward. You come. If not, we'll close out the service. Brother Steve, and when I get ready, I'll raise my head back up and he dismisses in prayer.